When we talk about being a good parent, that assumes that there's a universally accepted standard for what a good parent actually is. Without that universally accepted standard, anyone and everyone then develops their own subjective parenting yardstick. Beating their kids into submission to get them to obey, that might be one parent's measure of good parenting. At the same time, allowing your kids to do what they want anytime they want to do it might be another parent's measure. Historically, the American standard for raising healthy, well-adjusted children has largely come from the Bible and the Judeo-Christian ethic. Yet to a large degree, parents have strayed from this standard and we may now be witnessing a collapse of parenting as we've known it in American society. Is it worth a rebuild? Well, we think so, and we'll discuss how today on Licensed to Parent. Well, hello and welcome to our program. If this is your first time uh, stumbling upon us, Licensed to Parent is the radio outreach of a wilderness-based, year-long, Christ-centered residential program that works with teens in crisis. It's called Shepherd's Hill Academy. Now, our goal on this program is to export what we're learning about what works and what doesn't work in terms of parenting. And uh, we think the best person to help us navigate these waters is the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill and our host each week on Licensed to Parent, Trace Embry. I'm Rich Rosel, and you know, Trace, one of the first things that you attempt to get across to folks seeking to be good parents, uh, you try to help them establish a solid foundation and a premise for what a good parent should actually look like. Why is this premise concept so important to this equation? Yeah, well, you know, to effectively build anything, Rich, uh, and I don't care if you're talking about a house or a business, a relationship, or an argument. You need a sure foundation and or a solid premise uh, to, to build on. Uh, you just use the term should. Uh, what uh, should a sure foundation or solid premise for being a good parent actually look like? That's basically what you asked me. The, the word should implies an absolute. In, in fact, it does more than imply an absolute. It requires an absolute. Uh, with respect to parenting, it assumes there's a transcendent point of reference from which to start, one that works for everyone, generally speaking. But... Uh, it's just like the idea that hard work brings wealth, right? Uh, generally speaking, this is true, but unfortunately for some people, hard work has actually led to their demise. My dad used to say the biggest lie ever perpetrated upon mankind is that hard work never killed anyone. He said, I could, I've seen it kill many of you, man. <laughs> yeah, so and it almost killed me. So I, I'm not necessarily talking about a one-size-fits-all model for raising kids, but a basic starting point from which any prudent individual can understand and accept. Traditionally, good parenting has always started with the, the premise of a husband and a wife committed to one another in holy matrimony. I mean, that was a given. Then you give birth to a kid, and not before. Uh, then they exercise the basics for properly caring for that child, right? Uh, and we're talking love here, food, shelter, nurture, protection, education, and the obligation to their offspring, to themselves, and to the rest of the world to do everything in their power not to raise a future sex offender or mass murderer. And this is not to say that a single parent can't, can't raise healthy, well-adjusted kids who are positive contributors to society, or, or that if you do it all right, you're guaranteed Junior won't grow up to be the next Adolf Hitler. But we've been messing with God's ecosystem here in America uh, in recent times, and you know, as men are having kids out of wedlock with several different women and, and vice versa. And this is becoming almost standard fare today. Uh, getting married and raising a traditional family is starting to become old-fashioned. But as we always say, old-fashioned doesn't always mean outdated. Right. I mean, sex right. is old-fashioned. No one's throwing the towel in on that archaic practice, right? <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and besides, for the first 200 years of American history, marriage has worked out pretty good for our society. And it's still working out pretty good, or it's still being practiced in other places around the world. So why change it? You know, I, I like what G.K. Chesterton once said mm. about mankind confusing change with progress. He said, before you tear down a fence, find out why it was put up in the first place. Exactly. And, you know, I, I don't know, maybe tearing down the sanctity of marriage fence is the biggest reason we're seeing not only the collapse of parenting, but the decline of civility in America as we know it. So take it from a guy who sees it every day. We're, we're definitely seeing the collapse of parenting in our nation. Uh, my prayer is that the collapse of our entire society isn't next. Uh, hopefully today's program will wake some people up. Uh, so hopefully we can get this thing turned around. Yeah. Well, joining our conversation today is the man who wrote the book on the collapse of parenting. Literally, his name is Dr. Leonard Sachs. Dr. Sachs has earned both a Ph.D. in psychology and an M.D. Uh, in 1990, he established a family practice in Montgomery County, Maryland, just outside of Washington, D.C., providing primary care services to children and adults for a number of years. And since then, he has written a number of books on this and, and other somewhat related topics, including Why Gender Matters, uh, Boys Adrift, Girls on the Edge, and uh, the book that we're discussing today, The Collapse of Parenting. In fact, Dr. Sachs has been on our program before a couple of years back to discuss this topic, so mm -hmm. we're, we've got him on to hopefully get a bit of an update. Uh, Dr. Sachs speaks frequently on child and adolescent issues. He's written in numerous uh, national publications, including many prestigious professional journals. And uh, again, he is a repeat guest right here on Licensed repeat to Parent. Repeat offender. <laughs> yes. Dr. Sachs, welcome back to Licensed to Parent. Thank you for inviting me. Well, look, when you, when you talk about the collapse of parenting, I'm not sure everyone's going to understand what you mean by that or even agree with it. Can you flesh that out for us? Well, sure. Uh, I was speaking to parents in Chappaqua, New York, which is an affluent suburb of New York City, and I was talking about the explosion in obesity among American kids. In 1971, only 4% of American kids were obese. Uh, today, uh, more than 19% of American kids are obese. Uh, that rate has more than quadrupled over the past generation. And there are several reasons why that has happened. But one is uh, that parents are not letting kids decide what's for supper. So, right. And I was telling the parents in Chappaqua that I didn't think that was a good idea. And afterwards, a husband and, and wife came up to talk to me, and they explained that they had made a healthy and nutritious supper for their son and daughter. And the son and daughter came home and said, ooh, yuck, I don't want to eat that. Can we just order pizza? So father sat down at the computer and dutifully uh, ordered uh, pizza online from Domino's to the dictates of his son and daughter, each of whom got their own different pizza. Yeah. And I said to dad, why'd you do that? Why didn't you just tell them this is what's for supper? And he said, well, I don't believe in using starvation as a means of discipline. I said, look, they're not going to starve. <laughs> uh, look, 50 years ago, 30 years ago, if mom had made a healthy and nutritious supper and the kids didn't want to eat it, she did not run out and buy them a pizza. She would say, this is what's for supper. If you don't like it, you can go to bed hungry. Mm -hmm. uh, but today, parents are... Uh, petrified of exerting authority in that way, and they're much more comfortable letting kids decide. Well, the problem is if you let a 12-year-old decide what's for supper, there are some 12-year-olds who will choose broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, cauliflower, spinach, and asparagus, but there are other 12-year-olds who will choose pizza, french fries, potato chips, and ice cream. Mm -hmm. and, and the evidence is actually very strong, which I present in the book, that that is one factor 
driving this explosion in obesity. The 12-year-old, many 12-year-olds are not competent to choose what is for supper. That's why they have parents. Mm -hmm. But when you have this collapse of parenting, with parents now uneasy and uncomfortable uh, filling their role as parents and letting kids decide, uh, kids suffer as a result. And they suffer in many ways, but one, one way that's very easy to document and has been documented is this explosion in obesity and decline in fitness yeah. among American kids. Yeah, there's a political correctness uh, in the equation, too, that, that doesn't allow you to speak freely. We actually had our radio program removed from a station. Uh, I won't mention the station, but uh, I had, we, do, we do these little one-minute features uh, in, in addition to our 30-minute program. And I had mentioned uh, this issue, and I thought very uh, correctly, uh, and I, I was trying to be as tender as I could, but it got us kicked off this radio station. And when I researched the station and saw the, the crew, like every one of them are three bills. I mean, you know, it's like it's like the, the whole crew were, were heavyweights. And so... People just have an aversion to hearing the truth. I don't care how you package it. And I think parents are, are victims of this very same thing, too. I mean, my dad would say things to me like, hey, I'm not interested in seeing you alive until the lawn's cut. You know, and I would, I, I would kind of understand where he was coming from. But today, man, you got to tailor uh, every word uh, in, in the sentence to make sure that you're not offending Junior or you know, tr- triggering something in him. Can you speak to that whole trigger thing? Well... You do have to be careful because uh, some people will think that you're advocating authoritarian. Yeah, I get that. I get so that. But there's in, a balance. In the book, I talk about too hard, too soft, just right. You don't want to be the too hard parent who's who's uh, you know whipping a kid with a belt. Uh, you don't want to be the too soft parent who's permissive and letting kids get away with murder. You want to be the just right parent uh, who's loving, but who. Uh, who enforces the rules and teaches kids some discipline and hard work. Well, what does that mean? That's really a big chunk of the book. What does that mean to be a just right parent? Because American parents have gotten confused. So, for example, this business about a cell phone. At what age is it appropriate for a kid to have a cell phone? And and what should parents, what limits uh, should parents put in place with regard to the cell phone? Well, how, how do you know what to do as a parent? Well, there's two ways. One is you think about how your own parents raised you. And if, you, if they did it right, you try and do it the same way. But we didn't have cell phones 20, 30 years ago. We didn't have uh, apps on a phone like Instagram and Snapchat 20 years ago. That did not exist. So we can't look to our own upbringing. So unfortunately, what a lot of parents do is they look to other parents. And in the book, I say, don't do that because your, your neighbors don't have a clue either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the recommendations I make in the book is no smartphones in the bedroom after bedtime. At 9 o'clock at night, the very latest, you take the device, you switch it off, and you put it in the charger, which stays in the parent's bedroom. Mm-hmm. And a lot of kids will say, but none of the other parents do that. All my friends have their phones in the bedroom. And you have to say, that's, that's their parents' call, but I'm your father. I'm your parent, and the phone is going to stay in the charger. And, and the kids will get upset very often. I've seen this firsthand. Uh, the kid will say, hey, but I use it as my alarm clock. Let them know they still make actual alarm clocks. You can go to the store and buy one. They're not expensive. But now your daughter gets really upset. She says, what if there's an emergency? <laughs> Remind her you still have a landline, a house phone in the parent's bedroom. If there's a true emergency, her friend is welcome to call 
the home phone, and you, the parent, will pick up, and you, the parent, will decide whether this emergency warrants waking her up at two in the morning. And what fifteen-year-old has an emergency? You know, meriting that. You know, well, a parent. You know, parents are amazed to find that half the tenth graders are awake and texting at two in the morning because Jason and Emily just broke up, and this is really big news, and we all have to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, one of the first responsibilities of parents is make sure your kid gets a good night's sleep. Well, yeah. And we have lots of research showing if a kid's got a smartphone in the bedroom they're much less likely to get a good night's uh, sleep of unbroken sleep. Uh, But it has to be the parent's call. It is not reasonable to put this burden in the lap of your 14-year-old. What is she supposed to say tomorrow in school when her friend says, hey, I texted you last night at midnight. How come you didn't answer? Is your daughter supposed to say, well, researchers have found that sleep deprivation at adolescence is a major risk factor in the etiology of depression. That's ridiculous. You have to allow her to say, hey, my evil parents take my phone every night at 9 o'clock. They won't let it have back to the next morning. This has to be your job. And this is where so many American parents are confused. They think, well, you know, good parenting means letting kids decide, because that's what I read in the New York Times. Yeah. And, well, the New York Times is wrong on this point. In this, in this domain, good parenting means the parent takes the phone away from the kid and turns it off so the kid can get a good night's we, sleep. We've made the point a number of times with our kids, it is fine to use us as the bad guys yeah. my kids did. to your friends. We really don't mind that. My kids did, and, and, and my, my oldest daughter actually basically runs Shepherd's Hill Academy now. She says, Dad, you, you don't know the security I had by being able to blame you for not allowing me to do this and then the other. She still does. <laughs> she still does. Yeah, but, you know, I've always maintained that we, we've given our kids way too many choices, particularly when it comes to fun, amusement, and pleasure. And too many choices often leads to indecision, the fear of missing out. That can lead to anxiety, anxiety to depression, and, you know, the progression from there. And so uh, back to the, the sleep deprivation, I mean, an outworking of that can actually manifest in a schizophrenia with uh, too much sleep deprivation. Uh, what's your take on that? Well, certainly we have good research, which I present in the book, that sleep deprivation is a major risk factor for anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. And the rates of anxiety and depression are soaring for American kids, particularly for girls. Um, But other parents will say, hey, you know, my parents had no clue what I was doing. Um, And Dr. Sachs, it seems you're you're asking me to be much more intrusive and uh, have much more of a supervisory road. My parents had no clue what I was up to. And that's a fair point. But the problem is that American culture has changed. Uh, and again, this is not a guess. It's not nostalgia. We've got good work uh, from researchers at UCLA, for example, who looked at the most popular TV shows in the United States over the last 50 years. And you look at TV shows from the 1960s, most popular TV shows like The Andy Griffith Show, nice. uh, My Three Sons, uh, the 1970s Family Ties, uh, 1990s Buffy the Vampire Slayer, from the 1960s through the 1990s, it turns out, these researchers found that, America, that the most popular TV shows were consistently teaching that the most important thing in life is to do the right thing, to be honest, to tell the truth. Uh, being famous and being wealthy were the least important things in those TV shows. Mm-hmm. And when I speak on this to parents, I'll show a clip from the Andy Griffith Show where Aunt B refuses to be a nationwide spokesperson because she wants to stay home with her family. Uh, family is much more important than fame and wealth. Same on the I Love Lucy Show. Very similar story. Uh, but then, 
in the first decade of this century, things changed profoundly. And suddenly, being famous and being wealthy went from being the least important thing to being the most important thing. On shows like American Idol, Survivor, and The Voice, being kind, it's going to get you voted off the island. Now it's all about winning. So if you set your kid free to discover for themselves their own right and wrong, what they will discover is Akon, Eminem, 50 Cent, Justin Timberlake, Miley Cyrus, uh, mainstream pornography. The culture has become much more toxic to children. And again, that's not a guess. It's a robust empirical finding. No doubt about uh, that. No doubt about that. But social media is the new player in the equation that is giving yes. these kids a platform for making their their own celebrity, their own brand become a reality for them. Yeah. And so, so they're taking advantage of that. Yeah, one of the, one of the things that we you know used to to have working for us was the fact that there were publishing houses and broadcast stations Vetting and agencies, networks. Exactly, yeah. mm-hmm. they were putting a lot of money you know on the line to get these programs out, but that meant they had a stake in it. Now anybody with a smartphone can have their own international YouTube channel right. and, and make a million dollars and doing make it. a whole lot of money. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I've been talking very recently with a uh, pro-life group in Philadelphia that promotes chastity for young women. And I was saying to them, you know, chastity has to mean more than just not having sexual intercourse. It has to be about how you understand yourself, your sense of self. And the problem is, again, the researchers find the way American girls are using Instagram. You want to get more followers on Instagram? Real simple, if you're a teenage girl, you put on a bikini and you take some selfies in provocative poses and boom, you'll get 10,000 followers. Instagram is promoting a very toxic culture, especially for girls. No doubt it's about. all about who's cute, who's sexy, who looks good in the bikini. And parents have no clue because they're not even seeing what their kids right. are posting on Instagram. Right. So it's, it's really all about a standard and a value system. And I want to get back to that after the break. Yep. We're talking today on Licensed to Parent with medical doctor, psychologist, speaker, and author, Dr. Leonard Sachs. The book we're discussing, The Collapse of Parenting, is a New York Times bestseller published by Basic Books. You'll find it wherever you get your books, and you can learn more about Dr. Sachs on his website, leonardsachs.com. This is Licensed to Parent with our host, Trace Embry. I'm Rich Rosl, back with more conversation right after this. Everywhere we go, we're surrounded by screens. Have we entered into a techno-utopia or a virtual prison? Prison. Is our social experience richer and deeper or more shallow and artificial? Discover insightful answers to these questions in the documentary DVD, Captivated, Finding Freedom in a Media-Captive Culture. You'll learn from media experts, church leaders, and inspiring individuals and families from across the country, including Trace Embry and students from Shepherds Hill Academy. Most importantly, you'll discover how God's Word addresses the unique media challenges we face today. Captivated, finding freedom in a media-captive culture. Available in the store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds benefit the Shepherds Hill Academy Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherd's Hill Academy offers a 12-month, Christ-centered, nonprofit residential program 
where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and licensed to parent to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. Welcome back. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy with our host, the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill, Trace Embry. I'm Rich Rosel, and we're talking today with Dr. Leonard Sachs. He's author of a book called The Collapse of Parenting. It's a New York Times bestseller. It's published by Basic Books. You can find it wherever you get your books. Dr. Sachs, we had you on the program a couple of years ago talking about this same topic, and we wanted to kind of have a refresher on this. Since that time two years ago, how are things looking now? Are we rapidly progressing toward this collapse? Is it continuing at the same pace? What are your thoughts? Uh, My firsthand experience is that things are getting worse. Uh, Parents feel more overwhelmed, more helpless to do anything about kids online. Also, the apps have gotten more uh, skilled in... Uh, so parents will say, hey, you know, Dr. Sachs, I don't need parental monitoring software on my kid's device. I look at her phone, you know, I look to see what's been installed recently. Parents don't even have a clue that many of these new apps are designed to be invisible to parents. They don't show up under apps recently installed. Um, and if you require a password, the parent says, give me your password. The app comes with a dummy password. So the parent opens the uh, Vault app and sees the photos of the family reunion, doesn't see the photos the kid has really been sharing. So parents uh, are increasingly clueless about the sophistication of the apps out there. A whole other issue that uh, has me concerned is this explosion in the confusion surrounding gender. I'm uh, seeing more and more parents who are telling me that they're daughter at 16 years of age has decided that she's actually a boy and and she wants to start getting testosterone shots and and parents are confused and they they go online and the new york times says well if your daughter says she's a boy your job is to take her to the doctor and get her some shots and and have her breast cut off uh so parents are adrift they're confused and i'm trying to tell them look it is your job as a parent. I keep coming back to Deuteronomy 6, 7. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart. And, and what? The next line in English is usually, you shall teach them diligently to your children. But that's not what the Hebrew says. And I explore this. Page 133 of my book, The Collapse of Parenting. The Hebrew is, Vishinantam Levenecha which isn't teaching. Uh, that verb, that Hebrew verb, shanan, means to chisel in stone. Yeah. So a better translation of vishnan tam devanecha would be, you shall inscribe them on the hearts of your children. Yeah. Uh, and on the very next page, I cite a, a uh, column by a regular columnist from the New York Times, Jennifer Finney Boylan, who said in her column, she said, enlightened parenting 
means setting your child free to discover for themselves their own right and wrong. And if in so doing they become strangers to you, then so be it. End quote. Well, that's not enlightened parenting. That's a dereliction of duty. If you set your child free to discover for themselves their own right and wrong, and they live in the United States in 2019, what they'll discover is mainstream pornography, mm-hmm. uh, Caitlin gender, transgenderism, and all kinds of confusion about right and wrong. It's your job to teach your child right and wrong, not to set them free to discover for themselves their own right and wrong. That's not That's a perfect parlay into my next question. What can parents do practically today to help promote a wiser digital protocol with their kids? Because I've, I've got my answer. I want to hear yours. Well, again, that's a major focus of my book, The Collapse of Parenting, and my answer is twofold. First of all, you need to limit, govern, and guide your kids' exposure to this contemporary American culture by limiting social media, by being knowledgeable and aware of what media they're consuming. Uh, And secondly, you need to connect them to a healthy culture. You need to include them in a rich network of connections with neighbors, friends, and family who share your convictions and your values. Yeah, yeah, the authoritative community model that uh, hardwired to connect the the new scientific case for authoritative communities. Yeah, when we talk about the standard uh, for most any subject. Uh, we're usually talking about an optimal standard, an optimum standard, uh, or the optimal standard. But when it comes to anything that might get in the way of our sexual appetites these days, many people seem to be all too willing to compromise optimal standards. Uh, do you think that this collapse of parenting in America can ever get turned around without our society first acknowledging that the optimal standard for parenting, and for sex for that matter, begins with marriage between one man and one woman? Well, one of the great lies that American contemporary culture now pushes relentlessly is that sexual fulfillment is the be-all and end-all of human existence. And that's just not a true statement. Mm-hmm. It is a falsehood. That's exactly right. Uh, and it is a dangerous falsehood. Um, and we must, as, as parents trying to raise our kids correctly, we must teach kids that, hey, What is human life for? The answer is very simple. Number one, you shall love the Lord your God. Number two, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's what it's about. Sexual fulfillment is great in the context of marriage, but it's not the meaning of human life. It is not the most important thing. It's an incident. And again, that's the great confusion. If you look at YouTube or Instagram, uh, the sites that are most popular with teens, the message there is very clear, which is sexual fulfillment is what it's all about. Yeah. And that's just not yeah, true. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we've been talking today on Licensed to Parent with medical doctor, psychologist, speaker, and author Dr. Leonard Sachs about his book, The Collapse of Parenting. And uh, if you'd like to find this book, find out more about uh, Dr. Sachs, you can, first of all, go to his website, Leonard Sachs, which is spelled S-A-X, LeonardSachs.com. Uh, you'll find the book wherever you buy your books, uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you'd like to go. Again, it's called The Collapse of Parenting. 
And Dr. Sachs, uh, I'm sorry it's been so long since we had you on, but great to have you on again, and we'll try to get you back uh, more quickly next time. Thanks again for inviting me. Mm. God bless you. Well, that is it for another week here on Licensed to Parent. Remember, you'll find us at LicensedToParent.org. While there, be sure to check out the many parenting topics we discuss on this program and subscribe to Trace's blog. Also, if you would consider becoming one of our ministry partners, offering both financial and prayer support to help the work we do at Shepherd's Hill, we'd be very grateful. You can donate securely online by clicking the Donate button at LicensedToParent.org. Our guest coordinator on Licensed to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosl, inviting you to tell a fellow parent about us and then join us again next time when once again we'll renew your Licensed to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.